0: GoPro has always done a really good job of identifying the niches, the ways in which our product is being used. And we've always done a good job in talking to those audiences and understanding the difference between a skier and a snowboarder, and a skier who skis, you know, big mountain skiing and the skier who skis in the park. So we've always done a good job in trying to be authentic and talking to that audience. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening
1: to the one-to-one consumer marketing podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Rick Lovery, VP Global Marketing and Communications at GoPro. Thanks for chatting with me today. Yeah, how you doing? Very good, very good. I need to get started. You have an incredible journey, right? So from working with Silicon Valley tech companies to now your role at GoPro, and you are employee number and So tell me a little bit more about this incredible run.
0: Yeah, well, I moved out to Silicon Valley from the East coast in 1996. And I moved out because two things. One, I love to surf and I wanted to get back to California. I'm not a big surfer, but it was something that I was passionate about. So that was a driving force. And then at that time, way back in 1996, the whole like web 1.0 Netscape had just gone public. The worldwide web was this fascinating thing to me and what better place to go than to San Francisco so Silicon Valley. So I ended up there in 1996, worked my way through different tech jobs and at different startups, eventually started my own communications agency with a partner and we grew it to a decent little size. And then we were acquired by a bigger agency that was based out of Chicago. They were a PR agency, agency record for Miller, for Wrigley's truing gun. And they wanted to flip hole in tech. And, and that was a really cool thing that you know, they got to experience and it was a great win. And during that time, I'd met lots of different startups. I actually was introduced to the founders of Fitbit, and we actually helped launch Fitbit way back when. And around that same exact time, I was introduced to Nick Woodman, the founder of GoPro. And a friend of mine said, "Hey, do you know who GoPro is?" And I and I did because I was a surfer, mountain biker, snowboarder, and I was familiar with their cameras. And I had one of their cameras. And this was in 2009. So I had I started off with Nick as a client, but I knew that I wanted to move my family from the Bay Area down to San Diego, where's that's grand right now. And so super interested in the job, but I actually turned it down at first because I wanted to like raise my family down here. And, and Nick, I've been talking with Nick. He was like, you know what? He's like, come work with me, stay with me for a year up here. This was Moon Bay, which is just outside of uh, San Francisco and He's like, stay with me for a year. I've got another guy who's based down there. Action Sports is like headquartered down there. So it makes sense to have an office, but just stay with me for a year. I did. And year came up. I said, Nick, can I move? I really want to move down. I want to raise my family down there. He kept his word. It was a handshake. We went, moved down there. And we started a little office and started growing. And so I had him as a client and then went over full time because he was an opportunity for me to still stay in tech because it was a technology product that all sort of followed my passions, the stuff that I love to do, skiing, snowboarding, surfing, mountain biking. So it was an opportunity to blend the two worlds together. And I was very blessed and fortunate to have that opportunity. And you know, when I started, there was no stock. We didn't even have healthcare. My wife worked for a big healthcare company up in the Bay Area. So we knew we had two kids and one on the way and we're like, well, she got a really good healthcare plan. So we can take this risk. We can take this bet. And it was a handshake between Nick and I, and it was like, he was like, trust me, this would work out. And 13 years, 14 years later, it definitely worked out. It
1: definitely worked out. Yeah. That's a, I mean, it's a crazy journey, right? So from a very, very small team to a gigantic public. Company. So, yeah, we, we, how often did your role change?
0: Yeah. And, you know, we went, and we had, it's been a roller coaster ride. We were up, we were down, and now we're heading back up again. And we've got a great team on board here with me on the marketing side and definitely really looking forward to the upcoming year.
1: Yeah. Sounds amazing. Thinking about GoPro is an incredible brand, right? So, it's not about only the tech product, that's also the brand that. You and the team have built over years. I think that's a that's a remarkable success. Yeah, I think globally on how to build brands around much much more than a product. But how do we see the marketing, the consumer marketing world today?
0: Fragmented and challenging. There's you know it's harder and harder to reach you know the customers. So you know it takes a lot of planning, but it also takes a lot of agility to being able to pivot. You know we saw that with COVID, and then even along the way here in these last couple of years and identifying what's working, identifying what's not working. And, you know, like I said, pivoting from there. But I think, you know, one of the challenges is if I look at like when I first started back at GoPro, you know, even from a media landscape, it was a lot easier to reach the audience and the customer. GoPro has always done a really good job of identifying the niches, the ways in which our product is being used. And we've always done a good job in, talking to those audiences and understanding the difference between a skier and a snowboarder and a skier who skis you know big mountain skiing and the skier who skis in the park so we've always done a good job in trying to be authentic and talking to that audience and 12 years ago it was actually easier to talk to those audience because your media wasn't as fragmented the way it was and we did a really good job with like owning the verticals as we said it and then providing air cover through the advertising we did more broadly through linear tv that stuff is shortchanged. changed so now it's like continuing to identify and talk to those niches and be authentic in talking to them but what are the ways in which you're reaching them and that has definitely evolved and it is always a work in progress
1: mm-hmm. do you mind sharing what's currently working for you here and how to, you know, reach your audience and how also to get the feedback you're describing that this feedback is really important. I would love to understand how you do that, how you collect from the very specific audience feedback to get it that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think so for us, what we like to do is, you know, we want to be at where our customers and our target audience is at. And that goes again about the niches, like you amass a bunch of niches and you have a mass market, right? So we need to be there through the athletes that we sponsor and how they're now athletes or media themselves and influencers and we know are media themselves. So who are the right athletes? Who are the right influencers in these different verticals? Have them help evangelize the product to their audience. What are the events that we need to be at? And then where the brand shows up and then where we actually go up on the ground and then that gives us an opportunity to talk and listen to customers or potential customers. And we have a feedback loop for that internally here for what we're hearing. There's obviously other things that are consumer insights. They're doing a lot of great work that they do that feeds in, to, you know, this is what the customer is saying. This is what potential customers are saying. Interesting. Very interesting.
1: Understood. In. When you think about customer retention, and we spoke a little bit about this before, is when I buy today a GoPro, I have that as a, a great, it's a great product. But when it's the second time, the next time I buy that, and the big question is around customer lifetime value and so on. So how do you manage customer retention and lifecycle?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, because the great thing is the camera is super durable, super rugged. Yeah, challenges. It's super durable, super rugged. So we <laughs> have that camera for three or four years, and it's an amazing piece of technology. There is definitely a group of customers that, in any product, that want the latest and greatest every year. But the average user, not so much. They've got that camera; it's a great camera for them for the next two three years. And what you're talking about is how do you engage with that audience, and how do you keep them engaged? And for us, that is the importance of our subscription service. So you bought that camera. And one of the things that we saw early on, like six, seven years ago, was the importance of like, here's this camera, uh, has this awesome content. How do I get it off here and share it on social? And how do I make videos that look like your videos GoPro? Because that was one of the biggest things we heard when i different trade shows and the different events we do is like. We would put up all these monitors and like we'd show all of our GoPro videos and people were like, do you have a lot of your videos? They look amazing. I wish I could make videos like half as good as what you did. That led us to go out and acquire and develop our ecosystem of editing software. So now the brand's the GoPro quick app, and that allows you to put your content in the app, you know, pulls it over from the GoPro, puts it in the app. It creates an automatic edit for you we've been evolving that process over the years and creating new and more premium features. For example, last year we came up with auto highlight and that is the ability to you get on with your GoPro, you plug your GoPro in as it's charging. The footage from the camera goes up to the cloud. You get a ding on your phone and your app says your edits ready for you. You tap it there's an automatic edit that appears for you. You can go in and tweak it if you want to tweak it, but that auto highlight experience is part of our subscription services, part of these premium services. So we, we need to continue to move forward on creating a seamless, easy experience for people to capture their content and to get it out there, whether they're sharing it or whether they're just enjoying it with their family enable them better experiences. And that's, again, a lot of the stuff that we're doing on Quick. We've publicly talked about how we'll now have a desktop, Quick Editing Desktop app coming out as well. So that's one facet of the subscription service. The other is the cloud, the auto cloud backup. So this allows you to backup all your content to the cloud. And then the third big pillar is the warranty. So in the event that you do damage your GoPro, we have no questions asked, warranty replacement. So this is all part of our subscription service. So that's like from the product side, we've got to continue to innovate. We've got to continue to provide services that keep people engaged and keep people using the camera. But there's stuff on the the marketing side and CRM side that we can do as well. You know, look at the customer journey and how we interacting with them. And another thing that we hear from our customers is going back to what i was saying before is like, I love your videos. How do I make videos that look that great when we've got this automatic editing experience, but content and really motivating people and showing people like, here's the best ways to use your camera for skiing. Here's the best ways to use your camera for mountain biking. Here's some inspiration, having that relationship with the customer, creating that, adding that content, sending it out to them. Through CRM, whether that's through email, whether that's through text, or whether that's you know an app notification, that's an important process. Our GoPro Awards program—well, I'm got excited here—but uh, I'll stop there. The other thing that I was going to say is like a part of that engagement is also rewarding our customers, and that's our GoPro Awards program. And that's something that has been very successful for us over the years. And it started off as simple as photo of the day. And I remember Nick whiteboarding this on, you know, our little office in Half Moon Bay, we had all the grandiose ideas about this awards program. And then I remember this is just one Facebook before Instagram. So, this just faithful leaders. Like, how about we just start off at photo of the day? <laughs> and that awards program grew from there. And now we've got a very successful awards program. We've got different things like the Million Dollar Challenge. We've got the annual GoPro Snow Challenge. We just did this one this summer, Get Wet, Get Paid, that was super successful. And that is, you're rewarding your customers, your users for the content that they're creating. And we made it easier for them to share. So if you're using the GoPro Quick app, you'll notice as soon as you bring some content and it says, Hey, do you want to share this with the awards portal? A T- couple of taps, it's in there. Our social media team, our studio team can see that content, identify that content, reward that content. That's
1: amazing. And it's also because you're your customers producing such amazing content is much more natural for you to do that. But imagine how many brands are right now trying to leverage user-generated content from other platforms. Is it Instagram or is it TikTok or something like that they somehow try to work with that? And that's something you built that already into your entire marketing strategy and in your entire retention strategy.
0: Absolutely. There's no doubt that we're still out there on the social platforms tiktok instagram facebook youtube uh, discovering amazing gopro content and reaching out to those people to say hey submit to this awards we'd really love to use it let's compensate you for this awesome piece of content that we saw so we're, we're definitely also out there actively looking
1: you are so for yourself you said and i can see that also from background if you look at the customer life cycle do you see already an effect that, you know, when people start to get older, then they start to use it less and then you have to acquire younger folks always for GoPro or, oh. or is there no effect of that?
0: Yes and no. So yes, almost any type of consumer product you're wanting to, you know, get your younger users, even if your products for older people, you want those people right. that are moving up. So you, there's always this conscious effort to discover and nurture that younger customer. For us, again, that's about the athletes that we're we're supporting, the influencers that we're supporting, being on the social platforms. We've got a fantastic social media team, small but mighty team. They're super young and they understand the platforms. They understand what works on the platforms and they understand the importance of engagement is not just about the content you post, but also how you show up on the platform. You know, we've had a couple of great examples where we've commented on some different posts and we've had a hundred thousand likes just on our comment. And just because they're in tune with that platform, they're in tune with what's going on. So that's been, you know, the key thing for us as well. And it's so nice to have a brand like that. Or if you, if you have a brand like that, you can also
1: work with that because people associate so many things with you. And yeah. when you comment on something, they have a background why you are saying this like that and why it's funny compared mm-hmm. to other brands, which have no chance of doing that.
0: Yeah. There was one that we did with the doors versus wheels. If you remember that kind of big debate that was going mm-hmm. on TikTok about a year and a half ago, there was one that blew up like that. And there was one where this random teacher said, Hey, if any pro, pro team comments on this post, I'll let my kids get their final tomorrow, and we posted. We like we let them on our names. That count, and so it's like stuff like that. And again, that's about having a team that understands the platform that lives in that platform. But to get back to your question, as far as the audience, the like we're like I was saying before, you know, we amassed a bunch of niches to make a mass market. And similarly, there is all different ages within those different verticals. So when you look at our demographics, they're kind of evenly sliced around the three different age groups. So again, it's a great problem to have, but it's also a challenge talking to all of them. That's a perfect segue into my my next
1: question. You know, how do you see personalization on this to talk to all these kind of different vertical, to different sports. You mentioned there's a huge difference between someone is snowballing or, or skiing. So that means your communication needs to be personalized. Of course, they, maybe the usage of the camera is, is completely different. How do you manage all these different niches and segments and so on?
0: Well, the most important thing is to have what we've done over the years is to have people who are passionate about these different niches and these different verticals so they can help guide marketing part of them. All, a lot of them are in marketing and how to authentically speak to these audiences. It's probably different than what you're talking about, than personalization, but like on a broader scale, I'm kind of going back to like, there's a difference in talking to a skier than talking to a snowboarder. And so, understanding that and the communication and your marketing methods is important. You know, the GoPro was founded from Nick's passion to go out there and capture him and his friends surfing, and then grew from there. And then he he was very passionate about motorsports, and once he started doing better in a GoPro, he was able to take motor racing classes, four wheel racing classes. He straps his wrist GoPro onto the roll bar mount, and everyone in his class is like. Where'd you get that? he's like, i make those. The point being is like, it was his passion in these sports that helped him develop the product and also helped him speak the language. And he grew the company that way with people who were enthusiasts. And we had like, whether it's in engineering, whether it's in product, whether it's in marketing, we have these enthusiasts and they all contribute to that. And being able to speak the language and also understand what the product needs to do for that customer. As a
1: leader at GoPro with all those different niches, when you were hiring for your teams, where you were looking also that people are, you know, embedded into the sports, was that something that you look for in hiring conversations as well?
0: Absolutely. For different roles, for sure, it becomes more important, right? But there's some instances where it's like, okay, maybe they're not a snowboarder. They're not an novel biker. Like they're bringing something else into it. And again, because GoPro can be used in so many different ways, I mean, even just as a creative tool, as a yeah. wide tool, it's really hard not to come across someone at GoPro that doesn't use the product, you know, because they all, everyone's got, you I know, mean, what we've always said is everyone has a passion and GoPro is the best way to capture and share that. That's a nice
1: way of putting that. In your 13, almost 14 year run at GoPro, you for sure have seen a lot of changes, a lot of challenges. What are your top three advice for other marketers of navigating such explosive growth, but also everything, all the challenges that come around that?
0: Uh, roll with the punches. Don't get too emotional. It's hard because if you truly love the company and the brand and the product that you work for. And those are three separate things. The company or the people that you work with, your team and stuff like that. The brand is the brand, right? And the product is the product. And they they all intersect in a weird way. But if you truly love those three things, it's hard not to get emotional, but you do have to kind of be able to put those blinders on sometimes. I think the other thing is like being able to pivot, being able to be agile. And it's a very tough thing to do We all say it, but there's no doubt that there's times when, man, I went down this path and I was doing this work. And now it feels like it's wasted work. It's never really wasted work because sometimes it either can be reused in a different way, or it got you to that answer of like, that's not the path. We actually need to go down and we've got to switch. And as much as possible, try to have fun. And I think that comes back to the first one is if you love the team that you work with, Like you love the product that you work with or you believe in it, you know, maybe there's definitely products that you're not going to say like, Hey, I love this chronic, but you believe in it and you you think it's a great product. That's important too. So, and then if you've got that, then you're going to be able to have fun with it.
1: Yeah. Three great pieces of advice. If you look a little bit into the future, I know that I know that's always a (laughs) bit tricky, but you know, five years from now, how do you think the consumer marketing will, will look like.
0: I don't know what it will look like, but I know what, you know, you can look at the different technologies and the different things like around AI, around data science, you know, and I think those things will continue to become more and more crucial as tools for marketers, like the more informed data that you have, the way that AI is developing everything from copywriting to video creation to photo, like understanding those tools, I think those things are going to be super impactful. I still think your gut and your instinct is a very key skill to have and will be a key skill to have. I don't think you can leave it all to the bots. So I don't have a good answer for you what will it look like. I think those are the things that are going to be shaping what marketing looks like my son is a freshman in college and he's a math guy. He's not like a programmer. That wasn't something that he was really into, but he's really, really good at math. He also took broadcasting classes and he learns how to storytell. And he wasn't sure what he wanted to major in. And I, I connected him with our head of consumer insights. I'm like, talk to Spencer, learn about his job. And he talked to Spencer and he was just going away and he's like, you know, Spencer said, do you love math? You really, really love math. He's like, yeah. And he's like, do you like to tell stories and understand stories? And he's like, yeah. It's like, this is the world for you. And so for me, like in marketing, I think about that. I think about like the more data and the easier we can have to understand the data so we can execute on it. That's going to be powerful. Yeah, that's a
1: very good example for probably one of the key skills we are going to have or need to have in the future, right? Because a lot of the editing, video editing, photo editing, and all those kind of things, I think AI will play a huge role in that. But I think you're right. This kind of combination of storytelling and math is probably a perfect description for the future of marketing.
0: Yeah, I do think like the, you know, part of the storytelling is the visualization and the way that that story is told. I think that the AI tools, like if you're talking five years, like, yes, they'll become way more advanced. And that's why I was saying like, I don't know what they'll look like. I wish I did, you know, but I don't think they're going to replace. It's no different than like desktop publishing or the way that that came in. It's just, you're going to have people that are more, there's going to be jobs within there that become a lot more efficient and you can do more, but you're still going to have to have artists and you're still going to have to have people who can use these tools to help support this story that needs to be told? This story that's going to engage your your customers and keep them coming back.
1: Yeah, it seems to me that uh, GoPro is very, very AI bulletproof. I would say if they kill all the jobs, right? AI is taking over. Then people have more time for their passions, and they shoot more videos on GoPro. And the, all the video editing, which you know currently people are doing, is supported by AI. So it will generate. Better videos from our GoPro videos, so I think that's that's a pretty solid bet in the future to to on the passion and people recording that. So I think that's that's pretty safe. Rick, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, that's all we have time for. But for people that would like to follow you or your journey, where should they
0: go? Well, GoPro. Yeah, no, I know any of our social platforms. We're at GoPro myself, I've got a small little Instagram, and that is actually probably the best way to kind of see what I'm passionate about, what I'm doing. and it's at r d l o u g h. Thank you so much, Rick. Have a great thank person. you last.